Welcome to the Highway Freaks. We interview musical artists, people in the news, truckers, songwriters, 80s rock bands, or anyone we meet on the road. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host. And now, J-Man, the Snarl, Motorhead Mark, Winget Will, Canadian Lady Trucker Janet, and the Pink Bombshell. is the Highway Freak. Hi there, Freaks. This is Bry Guy, your Road Dog host. Uh, by the way, if you like the sound of We Are Fire, you can find it on YouTube. Just download this. Their new album is called Alive. And you can also buy their CD on their online store at rockpapermerch.com. An amazing, amazing album. And I know a lot of my freaks have listened to it out there, and we're getting some great comments on that Canadian iconic rock band known as Fist. So, lots of things happening in the news this week, and today we had something unfortunate happen. And I know my gal on the street, Canadian lady trucker Janet, you definitely have the scoop on that, so take it away. Yeah, there was a major crash in Canada here up in Manitoba, uh, just near uh, Carberry, actually. Um, a busload of seniors uh, and a semi collided. So it looks like 15 people were confirmed dead at the crash between the semi truck and a busload of seniors heading to the casino in southern Manitoba um, down in Carberry. And this happened just before noon today. Uh, it, it happened on Highway 1. The truck was on Highway 1, uh, which is our main highway through Canada, running coast to coast. And uh, the bus was on Highway 5, and it was headed south. It originated out of Dawson, Manitoba, northern Manitoba. Uh, ten survivors were taken to hospital. Uh, yeah, both drivers are alive, luckily. And it's it, horrific. Anything like this happens, it's just horrible. Um, they're bringing in uh, the investigators that they were using for the Humboldt Broncos crash. And, yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, anybody else have anything to add to that part? That's very sad uh, to hear, um, Janet. So, you know, their families and friends uh, in this difficult time, I mean, it's, you know, I don't have any words to say it other than I'm sad by this. Yeah, it's horrible that anything like that ever happens. But, you know, at some point, some I mean, with all the trucks and everything and all the traffic, especially this time of year, you know, beautiful sunny weather, just that increase in traffic alone, just the crash rate goes up. It's inevitable. I really, really hope that the driver of the truck isn't at fault. I really do, but, you know, I mean, I'm kind of, uh, you know, biased because, you know, me and Brian are, are, are truckers ourselves, so, and, uh, you know, the, the RCMP and the Department of Transportation and uh, the local governments have villainized us for decades, um, and it always seems that when it's, the trucker's not at fault, the story gets kind of dumbed down. And then exactly. Exactly. So I'm um, I'm really uh, uh, not to take away from the the horrible accident itself and, and the tragedy to the family. Yeah. But you know the government 
and everybody knows my feeling of the RCMP and the DOT. Uh, it's no secret. Um, they tend to pick favorites. They always have, you know. So I'm hoping I'm hoping that it, uh, you know, the dr- the the trucking trucker wasn't at fault. Um, but regardless, it's just a, it, it's just it's just a terrible accident. I mean, and but, but it's just that it's an accident. Exactly. You know, um, nobody got up this morning and went out with the idea of killing 10 to 15 people. Exactly. It, 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 you know, and uh, but sadly, it's the families that are going to suffer from. You know, grandma and grandpa, yeah, um, or just grandpa or just grandma. You know, isn't going to come for Christmas or any more holidays or birthdays or, you know, it's a it's a pretty um, a shocking thing to think about. Yeah. How many of you know that highway? Very well. Oh, I know the highway. Not I don't know it super well, but I do know the highway. I have crossed there many times. Yeah. It is it is a controversial crossing. I'm not going to say it ain't, but. if it was excessive speed, which we guys have already discussed this, it can't be because uh, the Dan Ross driver is governed. So yeah. that's a that's a good that's thing. Right. That's a well, that's a good thing from that point of view. It can be speculated, and I'm saying this very clearly, speculated that the handy bus driver could have gunned it across the road and did, and obviously made the mistake of yeah. where he thought that truck was going to be. I honestly think that's what happened because, I mean, uh, the Trans-Canada Highway, the number one for those who aren't familiar with it, is a four-lane divided highway. And Highway 5 is a secondary highway with a stop sign. So one way or another, it, it really does look like the bus made the attempt and whether he wasn't paying attention properly didn't see the truck coming, but just based on the pictures that I've seen, um, you know, and, and witness witnesses apparently stating that the bus hit the truck. So, I mean, it's still up in investigation, but um, if I had to make a snap assumption, which I probably shouldn't do, um, it was lack of care and control on the bus driver's part. That would be my thought on it, but... I could be wrong. Okay, so, like, was this a head-on collision, or, or was somebody turning, or, or what happened? No, no. What it is is the bus was going south on Highway 5, like I said, a secondary highway that's required to stop to cross the Trans-Canada Highway. So you've got four lanes of traffic, two going either direction, with a median in between. So what typically happens is they'll drive across to the middle and then continue on from there. Right. So there's two stop signs. So in order for them to do that, you know, but he would have been the bus driver was crossing Trans-Canada Highway. And to me, that right away tells me unless it is uh, one of the lighted intersections with the street light as you're coming out of Winnipeg or no, wait a minute, Portage, um, then, yeah, then that would be the the questionable part of it, but I believe that that highway specifically has a four-way stop or has a has a stop sign. Damn. Well, they uh, they collided so hard that the uh, the bus blew up completely. Yeah. Blew up. Yeah. And if you look at the impact, that's pretty. That's pretty bad. Yeah. If you look at the impact from the track, the tractor trailer truck, the whole front end is gone. 
Yeah, and that's why I suspect, now I'm just looking at Google Maps, of course, and it almost looks like it might be one of the controlled intersections. Uh, but can I also, you know, not to have more fuel for the fire, but it's like just reading that similarly, like five years ago in Saskatchewan, like yeah. one, yeah. there were 16 people. Yeah, the Humboldt crowd. That, uh, that died, right? So it was like a truck hit a bus that was transporting a junior hockey team. Yes. Um, that was the humble crash. And that, right. So that, I mean, the truck, apparently the truck driver is sentenced to like eight years. Yeah. 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 Uh, a year later. So my point is, my point of me mentioning that is, like, I feel like some of these are becoming a common thing yeah. that's happening. And it is sad, and it shouldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, how much control do we have either from any driver, truck, bus, regular cars? and whatnot is what are what are we doing? You know, what what's happening? I think some of some of the instances of course, you know, it's hard to investigate is are we distracted when we are driving? Yeah, and that um, you know we I mean that stretch alone, um and I, I did look on Google Maps, it is one of the ones that's controlled only by a stop sign. So anyone traveling on the main highway, which is highway one, where the truck was on doesn't have to stop, okay? Um, it's no different than driving on an interstate. The only difference is we don't have overpasses for all our highways going across, right? So, yeah, I, my best guess is this driver thought he could make it, misjudged the truck speed, maybe, who knows? But, yeah, definitely, it's there's a lot of these you know what that it, happen. You know what else could have happened? You know what else could have happened? Mm -hmm. Um you being a truck driver, I know you've done it. I've done it. Brian's done it. Have you ever gone to uh, go through a stop sign and looked, and it looks like there's nothing there, so you go to go, and then all of a sudden you catch it? Yeah. Like, holy shit, there's a car coming. Yeah. He may have overlooked it. He may yeah. have looked and saw the truck, but it didn't register that there's yeah. a truck coming? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know exactly. And, and that's, I mean, and that I've can happen, it. right? You know, but I mean, with that being said, the driver had only been driving at most an hour and a half to two hours. So if you're already getting behind the wheel when you're already, you know. A lot of these companies hire retired people. Yeah. Now, a lot of the times they only drive maybe once, twice a week. Yeah. Not as conditioned as us that, like, do it every day. And, yeah. You know, you know, so... You know, who, who's to say what, what was going through his head? You'll have to wait yeah. until they, they interview him, I guess. Exactly, exactly. You know. My best guess is he misjudged it, and or like you said, just it just didn't register till the last minute, and then he had this, oh, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> reaction, like, I don't know. It's, it's a flat stretch. Well, it's it not is. like you can't see that truck. A matter of fact, um, well, well, that's, that's not entirely true, though. You know that. Um, okay. no, I, I don't, I'm not going to say you can't see it. You overlook it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know about you, it. but when I'm driving, I mean, when I'm driving anything smaller than a semi, I'm a little bit more aware of the bigger vehicles because the last thing I want to do well, is get hit by one, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but a lot of that too is coming from our own experiences of what we've seen over like I mean I've been in the industry 31 years right I, I've seen more more than my fair share of gas on the highway well, and, and and guys it seems to be nowadays and and I'm, I'm not I'm not putting blame on the truck drivers. I'm just saying due to their, their lack of training, they seem to be more aggressive. They, they are making way more dangerous moves. I've seen it. You've seen it, Jay. Uh, you know, they, they pass on double solid lines. They, I've been passed on hills. I've been passed on corners where you don't know what's coming around the corner. And I know, Jay, you've been passed in the fog. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. You know, there seems to be a lot more risk-taking now. Uh, I don't know if you're picking up on that or not, Jay, but it does seem to be a very risky venture out there with a lot of these new drivers. Well, the problem with the new drivers, well, it, it, it's the old adage. Uh, the more experience you get as a driver and the longer you drive, companies don't want you because you know you know the magic word, no. But yeah. I ran into that. Companies won't hire you. They don't want your experience. They, they want to push the shit out of you. And I'll tell you, though, Back when I got my license and all my earlier uh, companies that I went through, every one of them, I went through a PDIC course, which is basically professional defensive driving, right? So that's kind of not in the forefront anymore. Like that was always part of the orientation, no matter what company I went to, no matter big, small, it didn't matter. And defensive driving, I'm not saying it would have prevented it, but it may have prevented the severity of it, right? And knowing what I know with the drivers that I, that have been hired on where I work, um, there's a lot that are still getting hired that can barely speak English. I have nothing against immigrants driving truck, but that's another part of it where you've got to understand everything where you don't need a translator every time you need to communicate with somebody or be able to register the rules of the road or, you know, that kind of thing, right? Well, well I've, always, I've, always, Sorry, I've always had an issue. I've always had an issue with that. Um, what do they call that anyway? The uh, uh, Where they bring drivers from other other countries. The Foreign, yeah, workers, foreign workers Program. program. Foreign yeah. Workers Program. Well, I've, I've always been dead set against that anyway. I don't have a problem with um, it. I do. I have a huge problem with it. My problem is with it is me as a taxpayer pays half their wage. Yeah. You didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't actually. Yeah. The government picks up half the tab. So who's the government? We are. So yeah. it used to be it used to be before you could come to Canada, um, you had to have a sponsor. Yeah. And you had to have a job. And yeah. the company that was was doing it had to guarantee that they could not find someone for that job. And I yeah. don't think they should come go back to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember. Go. I remember applying because um, I had a couple of business. I remember applying for um, foreign workers program for someone I was going to hire. And I remember uh, trying to jump through all the hoops, and it was just never ending. Yeah. You know. And it, yeah, it but was get, tough at one time. You know, you get huge companies like, uh, okay, Dan Ross, for example, who was just in his accident. Yeah. Um, it's easy for them. Yeah. Because they're so freaking big. And yeah. I'm not saying Dan Ross does it. Um, I don't know anything about Dan. Um, but there are companies out there 
that deliberately bring these guys over and screw them over. Yes, there are. You know, there are a lot. It's too All too many. All too many. You know, and you know, I mean, I realize that you know these guys just want to work. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't fault them at all. But you know, you get these these sleazy companies, and there's you know trucking full of them. Yeah. Um. You know, and the government turns a blind eye to it because yeah. they're getting that pound of flesh. Well, and then you add in the immigration counselors that have been already brought up oh. on charges um, for pocketing money. You know, they make money. The guy that, you know, for example, the Humboldt crash, right? The guy that owned oh, yeah. those trucks made the money. And the guy that actually, because he wasn't trained right, he didn't know the area. He didn't know how to tarp properly. He didn't know anything. He was never trained. Yeah. And you've got those guys who are paying tens of thousands of dollars to come to Canada in the hopes that they'll have a job. You know, the immigration counselor, oh, well, if you pay us this, we can get you a job here, right? And like I said, it's not all, but there have been a number of them brought up on charges for doing this. And this is the problem. This is the gap in that, you know, in that net. and And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not begrudging anybody a job. I'm not either. But... You know, because that's really all these guys want. They want to yeah. come here and work, right? And, exactly. You know, so, I mean, I'm not begrudging the guy that, but you know what? Make the company pay. Don't yeah. take it from me. Exactly. They take enough from me. The company makes enough money. I mean, it's no different than exactly. paying exactly. any of their other employees, for God's sake. They you just know, have to make uh, sure that everything is done within the contract. But, I mean, uh, yeah, that's... That becomes a slippery slope. Anytime the government touches anything, it turns to shit. Well, what I'd like to know is, when I got my license, it was mandatory that you knew how to speak English. Speak, read, and write. Now, I know a couple who are who are completely illiterate who can still, you know, function enough that they were able to do the testing and stuff. But they could still speak English. And that was a requirement when I got my class one. What concerns me, and I will say this, I'm not going to say any names, but I was looking on a job board today, and I saw 95% uh, foreign names and about 5% white names. And that, to me, is concerning because, um, well, it's that foreign workers program that uh, Trudeau, I think, was the one that actually put it in force. And um, it shouldn't be that way. Like we, sadly, in the trucking field, we are starting to become a minority, guys. Oh, we've been becoming a minority for a long time. Right, but I'm I'm saying directly into the trucking field. So, uh, moving along, um, and thank you for your input, everybody, for that. And uh, our hearts go out to all the families of Dauphin, Manitoba tonight. And um, you know, we we hope that. Uh, the uh, right culprit will be found uh, accountable, and um, hopefully, uh, I don't want to say this derogatorily, but I hope it's not the truck driver. That's all I can say. So, enough of that. Um, we are going to play We Are Fire by Fist, and this is taken off their Alive album, so check it out.
great song. That was our theme song, and I'm so happy to to have that song and listen to it. I think I'm going to have that on my um, on my playlist so that it reminds me of our podcast. Um, anyway, so tonight I want to uh, respond to Brian's um, question to me earlier on when I joined the crew. Um, he said, you know, he's Virginia for lovers. And I did say, you know, yes, it, it is for lovers. And personally, I'm a lover. But I thought tonight I wanted to share with you um, some history behind that. Um, based on this article that I've read from 13newsnow.com. And it says, where Virginia for lovers comes from and what its popularity still remains. So this is written in Norfolk, Virginia. It's arguably Virginia's most well-known saying and slogan, a four-word phrase that's found in businesses, cities, and more across the Commonwealth. Um, according to Lindsay Norman, the brand director of the Virginia Tourism Corporation, the story starts in 1969 with the advertising company George Wolf of Martin and Wolf Incorporated, who had recently landed the Virginia State Travel Service Channel. They were talking about, oh, it's for history lovers. Someone else chimed in, it's for mountain lovers. The mountains are beautiful. Someone said, Virginia is for rich lovers. People started well, saying, well, it's for all of this, it's for lovers. Norman said the advertising and applications have since evolved from the early days. At first, the emphasis behind the lovers campaign was that of romance and communism, as well as a reflection of the time period it was championed during. It was also a provocative time, 1969, the summer of love, Woodstock, a lot going on. So that time, lovers was kind of provocative, is what I think makes it stand out, but also makes it provocative with the mood of what's going on, Norman said. Over time, the slogan has taken on more universal, but still personalized. Its purposeful ambiguity has left the door open for Virginians to insert the slogan with whatever they find meaningful about the place they go home. Virginia is for lovers of nature, cities, beaches, mountains, foods, breweries, and so on and so forth. Norman said the vagueness allows the slogan to stand the test of time for more than five decades. Norman said something to be said about the flexibility. It allows Virginians to make it their own and feel prideful of that. The best brands are about what's relevant to you in your life. Become this kind of like prideful, weird, quirky slogan thing, but it works. It also helps others identify more easily the old dominion. Um, she also said that the awareness of our brand is still around 70% awareness. That means when we have people outside the state, what they're familiar with about Virginia, they can say Virginia is for lovers. They say it, they know it, there is a high level of awareness about the slogan. That number doesn't matter until you ask about other districts. And asking about states like North Carolina, South Carolina, and Maryland, the highest they have in terms of awareness is about 30%. Huge competitive advantage. So in 2009, the Virginia is for Lovers slogan was voted into the Madison Avenue Advertising Walk of Fame, a 
according to Norman, the iconic I Love New York brand with the red heart was created roughly for the Virginia Forever slogan. I was Googling, um, you know, how many of these Virginians for Lovers sign all over the state. And let me tell you, it is all over the state. In every corner of the state of Virginia, you will find the big sign on the roadways, uh, Virginia for Lovers. You know, for example, the um, border of Virginia and North Carolina, you know, uh, coming from Washington, D.C. into Virginia, um, you see that sign, of course, from Maryland on the eastern shore. So it is fascinating. But as well, you know, I've seen, you know, these signs. I think I might have taken a uh, pic or two, um, you know, standing by the sign when I when, when I went down to uh, uh, Miami. I drove down there and saw the, the big sign. So, oh, you know what? Let me pull over. It's really not a good safe place to pull over because there's no real shoulder. You know, be careful uh, pulling over a road when there's no shoulder. So um, it was safe for me to pull over, so I pulled over and took a picture of it. So I have that in my memory. So if you are ever in Virginia, if you see those signs, just remember that Virginia is for lovers. So the question is, are you a lover regardless whether you are in Virginia or not? So crew. Are there any, like in Canada, for example, or Jay in the U.S., um, were there any signs that you're familiar with, um, you know, like in Canada, for example, or in the U.S. somewhere, where you saw something about a state that you're driving through and saying that that's their slogan? Well, any comments? Saskatchewan, I believe, is land of the living skies, and that is true. Um, you have, They get some real... <laughs> Wicked thunder and lightning out there. You, it, it's just if you like thunder, thunder and lightning storms, go there. And um, and on on that so note, Jay, swift current is where well, life makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes makes, sense. <laughs> nothing. Nothing makes sense in that town. No, that's the that's the slogan. Really. <laughs> I know. I know. But it, nothing makes sense there. Well, I guess it's it's it's, 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 it's sounded like it's like something about the weather or something like that. You know? uh, yeah, I got family from there. So I said nobody oh. talks about. Well, any other any other one that's funny? Oh, oh Gull Lake. You know, Gull Lake, where you won't see a lake or a gull. Oh, okay, okay. I've been there. I don't see no lake, and I'm sure shit not to see a gull. <laughs> oh, I, I've got I've got a great one for you. I've got a great for this is this is one my brother lives in New Brunswick. Hope is restored. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they all out of work there? Yeah, yeah. Hope Wait, was what? restored. Yeah, you know, um, there's there's that that's probably one of the funniest ones. But I mean, uh, there's there's a lot of interesting uh, you know uh, slogans out there. I mean, Canada has lots of uh, interesting ones. We have a and we have some pretty interesting statues too. I might add as well. Um, but oh yeah, uh, some pretty cool ones. Actually. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. There's there's definitely some. But. Um, yeah, those are the ones, the two funniest ones that I've I've ever come across. Uh, how about you, Will or Janet? Do you guys remember any slogans in Canada? Not a fan, no. The one that makes me kind of the one that makes me chuckle is Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. 
What's their murder rate? Isn't it like one of the highest in the country? Yeah, but aren't you more likely to murder your sibling? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's or at least, true. or at least have the desire to, anyways. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that if I ever went to a family reunion, my life would be shit. <laughs> well, let's 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 run down it here, okay? We have Alberta, the province with the most lakes, okay? Um, British Columbia is the home of the world's tallest trees. All right. Manitoba is the province with the lowest population density. Well, that's a go figure. Okay. Uh, New Brunswick is the only bilingual province. Quebec is the largest province. And Ontario is home to the world's largest and longest streets. So um, if you take Nova Scotia, it's Nova Scotia strong. That's their slogan. Okay. Um, if you if you take uh, you know Canada, Canada is the, uh, the the land of the free, right? Or is that is, is that is that the United States? I got that. I might have that one mixed up. What's what's Canada's slogan? Anybody know that one? <laughs> no, no clue. But that was the U.S. slogan. Uh, yeah, don't even get me started on 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 Canada's national app. If I didn't know better, I would consider Canada's national anthem. Uh, the, the 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 slogan to how we used to be, I guess. <laughs> oh, when they changed it, is that what you're referring to? Well, they, I, they, I, 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 I mean, all our I, sons command, all our sons command, and and uh, they changed it to. Uh, um, what was what did they change it to? Anybody know? Well, there's there's there's, there's, nice... there's so many contradictions to it because like. Our home and native land, right, right there, they admit it's native land, but, but, but they still try and take it away. Like I'm so, like, like if you break the the national anthem down for Canada, right? Um, it, 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 it kind of like you listen to it and you're like, no, nah, we ain't that no more. <laughs> good, oh, good, good point. So in other words, what you're saying, Will, starting a controversy is that the Canadian national anthem needs to be overhauled. Well, yeah, especially if if we're gonna have a you know a piece of piece of shit prime minister in that you know takes all our freedoms and our choices and our money away. It's, it's like I I I mean I guess Biden kind of did that with the U.S. because you know look at look at how much they're paying for everything now and everyone's broke down there because nobody listened to a to a word that you know any of the logical people that could you know look in a document to them, but. You, you, you know, it, but look, it is what it is. But look at Vancouver. I love this slogan, Jay. You'll, you'll laugh at this one. By sea, land, and air, we prosper. City of Vancouver. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> the only thing, hey, I, I grew up in the lower mainland, and the, the only, like, it used to be really good. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, Vancouver is only pretty at night and from a distance. Well, Van- Vancouver is, is not really called Vancouver. It's called Hongcouver. Well, pretty much. Pretty much. Because, because of all the Chinese and Orientals that live in it. Oh, so, uh, the gang. You know, <laughs> Drug Vancouver. Right. right. Yeah, man. Yeah, only in Vancouver. Okay, I had someone trying to beat this. I'm just going to say this real quick. It's not going to go into another subject. Man, they they legalized all the drugs down there, and 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 they they they're, they're like, hey man, here's some you, you know open open facilities that you can do your drugs in, and meanwhile 
we got we got people debating that that you know there there's like a success rate on, on this shit when when you know you, you you clearly go down to Vancouver and it's it's all full of just like zombies you know. But, but well, well, one one thing we got we got we all got to agree on when they came up with Canada's nickname as the Great White North, we were referred to as hosers, and it was like, oh, you always say hey, hey, yeah, you say hey, and you drink beer and back and you eat back bacon, hey, uh huh, hey, okay, you hoser, yeah, you know, like Bob and Doug. I mean, everybody thought we were eating back bacon. And uh, on top of that, we were uh, driving snowmobiles, living in igloos, and then they had that wonderful, wonderful chant. Right? Do you remember that chant? One like this: Go, 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 go. So yeah, that, and then that's how they picked us as hosers. Oh man! Now you, who's you, living in the seventies and eighties? Here's Doug. the thing, Brian. You, you just brought up something that, that that's going to draw everyone's attention. The true. Did, did, did you just say the true white north? The great white, the great white north. Buddy. Yeah, yeah, bro. We're, we're, man, yeah. I really hope that doesn't get get changed to something else because you know some religion is like, hey, you're you're all white pride and man. Mm. Mm. And we live in igloos. We live in igloos. Yeah, yeah. don't okay. forget. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, and and don't forget the dog sled we rode. We rode uh, to work on. You know, I mean. That's, that's, that's right. And, and and Pink, in re- in regards to your Virginia's for lovers, our most common thing about our girlfriends, we we just say, "Hey, be my baby." That's what we that's what we use. Hey, babe. Hey, baby. That's that's what we use. So that's in contrast to your Virginias for hookers. I mean, lovers. <laughs> What's that come from? Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, are you I'm confusing out of Las Vegas right now, man? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was a great topic. <laughs> okay. So uh, I know Will wants to talk about the uh, computer world. Okay, um, but before we do that, well, you can come back to talk about it. I've got a classic Fist song called Thunder and Rock, and I might add it's on the new eye-opener interview show with Bry Guy, and uh, you're going to hear it right here on Highway Freaks.
that um that song has some pretty good uh guitar riffs in it and uh it has a pretty catchy tune to it as well. Um getting in getting into my topic now. Um I'm going to I I'm going to bore everybody <laughs> with um with a uh hacking subject cuz this this literally involves or affects uh a majority of the world if you well the ones who use Windows anyways. Um there have been Chinese and Russian hackers that have figured out how to backdoor um, a uh, ESXi. So a backdoor is basically um, finding finding uh, an open port, you know, that most people won't know of, and pushing a file through there, which allows access into it. So uh, I mean, you can see how trouble uh, you can uh, I mean guess how troublesome that would be. But now they've they they they're not just hitting um uh your local C drive or your D drive or your F drive whatever you've named it um they're actually hitting the um ESXi um files so these files are not normally something that uh antiviruses scan uh you can you can scan them yourself I I, I believe through um scanning uh registries but uh, they've disguised these files to be, uh, to, to, to look like, you know, um, backup files and, um, I guess, uh, registry files and stuff. And this affects not just, um, well, yeah, you know what, um, I'm going to talk about this too because it ties into it. Um, it, it doesn't just affect Windows users, it affects, uh, VMware users as well, uh, virtual machine uh, is what VM stands for, but, uh, a lot of, a, a lot of your high-end websites, um, or a lot of the websites basically that you go to, um, they're run on, uh, some of them are run on Python, uh, Apache, right? So when, when companies run their websites on these, they have to keep their server open and, it, it it could be bad, it, it it could be good, but if that server ever goes down, your whole website just completely gone. So, I mean, updating it and, and doing changes to it isn't really a feasible option um, in regards to, like, business matters and stuff. But right now, I would invite uh, everybody to uh, start scanning their uh, registry files and, and looking for duplicates. Um, you can, you can literally do that by right clicking and going to properties and seeing what data was created on. Uh, if it's, you know, if it matches your update, cool, whatever. But if it's a different date, I would, I would highly recommend uninstalling and, and reinstalling everything. Um, I don't know how they figured this hack out. Um, but this is pretty serious and it's affecting a majority of the world right now. A lot of the high, high up companies are actually getting extorted for money because of this. So, um, just if you have a really high social media presence or, um, a website that's, that's, uh, you know, running, uh, upwards of 10,000 customers a day, I would be weary and, and start doing, uh, checks. And like I said, antivirus checks, regular antivirus checks, they it won't pick this up. So you'll you'll still have uh, your information being fed back to the hackers and whatever. There's ways you can check for process identification numbers uh, or PID numbers. Um, those will uh, give you a number, 
and you would follow that that, that number through you, you know control panel whatever to to kill the process. There's there's also different uh, other ways or whatever, but um, yeah, you uh, don't don't have your credit cards <laughs> on uh, on your computer, and don't have your cryptocurrency wallets on your computer either, because I I know that's a that's a really popular thing right now. And you ever notice, Will, how they're so easy to pay the ransoms once they hold these companies for hostage? They just, okay, yeah, what do you need? Three million? Okay, we'll bend over. Here you go. Yeah. You ever notice that? Yeah, yeah, well, like, okay, and, and, and see, all of this could have been prevented if they would have just hired uh, what's called penetration testers to test out the environment before it got hacked. They're like, I, I, I mean, yeah, you're probably paying upwards of 150000 whatever, when, when a full... Uh, project is is done on on your website and stuff, but it's it's better than losing fourteen trillion dollars worth of people's money, you know. You know, all I can think of is, and this is very scary. Uh, all I can think of is, you know, one one case could be like when you're doing do tax, so hackers could, um, you know, get a hold of your tax documents. Especially when you're doing your, and many people in the U.S. do their self uh, reporting. Uh, when it came to taxes. So when you're using your computer or whatnot, if you don't have the proper security system, your information is very vulnerable for hackers. So, you know, because when you file your taxes, your name, your social security number, where you live, everything, where you get your money from. So, uh, and this is an area um, that is vulnerable to hackers. I know from... And I, I think I heard this about maybe 10 years ago. Uh, Bank of America or I think it was Capital One or, or Chase Bank that had, um, I think it was Discover. I, I don't recall uh, which company it was, but they had a whole hacking debacle um, that, you know, some hackers were able to hack millions of um, bank account numbers. So, yeah. um, and this put the company at risk. And, well, not just the company, but, you know, the individuals with their, with their money. You know, people were seeing some transactions on their accounts and credits being open and things like that. So the, the lesson here, I think, is, you know, we have to be careful of what, what and where we're putting our information, you know? Yeah. So anything online is hackable. Um, it's something physical could also be hackable, like your credit card. I think you talked about this uh, a few episodes back. You know, even your credit card, your physical credit card could be hacked, uh, depending on where you're swapping that card. Yeah, and if there's a mis- like, like, let's say there's a misconfiguration in the SQL file that is um, holding, you know, um, uh, people's information, uh, all a hacker has to do is... Uh, it's it's literally a simple command. I'm not I'm not going to say the command, uh, but it, all they have to do is a, a a simple command in front of the URL, and it'll just feed it everyone's information back. And that's 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 more uh, along the lines of how like um, they 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 were stealing people's uh, people's information, like these like the the you think that the big people would care, but I can tell you this right now. If you use Google Dorks, and uh, you, I've talked about this plenty of times. If you use Google Dorks, uh, you put it all in text, then the company's name, and then file type, and then 
say you wanted to look at a PDF document that they've done on their servers. I mean, you just type that into Google, and uh, by the way, everything accessible without a password is legal to uh, obtain. That is considered uh, public knowledge, and uh, I wouldn't worry. Just, I mean, if, if you happen to get into, uh, obviously, a, a folder that you need a password for, just, you know, click out of that, because, um, you know, that would be trouble. But uh, you, you, you can get any kind of document from there just by the, defining the file type. So could be anywhere from like a text document or to a log document, right? So like a website's log information, which I, I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure you could well imagine uh, how dangerous that would be. Uh, a lot of everyone's, you know, messages and all that, all that other stuff, right? This is why a lot of companies like use different servers, but man, these hackers uh, have found a way to put a back door on, on everything. So, um, they're, they're, they're targeting more internal stuff as opposed to like hard drives and stuff where uh, it can be detected and deleted, right? They also use some sort of like uh, um, uh, obfuscating methods to, um, you know, by, bypass firewalls and stuff. And usually they'll use like five different methods in one and the file would become uh, technically considered FUD or fully undetectable. And uh, it, it it doesn't take much. It doesn't even take users' interaction. They're, literally, they could be in your system right now, and you wouldn't even know it. Yeah. I, you know, I'll comment on that, uh, Will. Like, and I know it happened in our company. You know, our IT administrator always say, like, don't download anything that you're not familiar with or not checking with me. You know, one of the things that I've experienced is that, you know, some of these, uh, you know, software things that just legit you download it or you click on something and and it, it just hacks your system and it mutates itself and it it finds a home in your system. Yeah. And you'd be browsing, you know, and then it, it just calls itself like something legit. Like you wouldn't even notice that it's there. You wouldn't think about clicking on it. It's like, well, what's this? Because it just looks like a legitimate file that you would find on a computer. Um, so it, it, it's really scary. And then, of course, my personal favorite you know, when you get an email, a spam email, it's like, oh, here, click here to win $50,000. Oh, you got to just click here and claim your prize. You know, I'm sad to say, I had a friend who did that. <laughs> I had a friend who fell for that. And yeah. uh, he ended up owing his bank $18,000. And he worked at a bank, you know. So his information was probably compromised. Uh, when his information was put online or whatever, and his banking accounts, and it's like, oh, let's target this this, this person. He works at the bank. Yeah. Now let's, let's target him. So he fell for it, unfortunately. So oh. the lesson here is it doesn't mean that, you know, even if it's shiny, it doesn't, you know, it, it's not necessarily good. Yeah, no kidding. That kind of makes me fear for that bank uh, still at this point because. I mean, coming from a hacker's perspective, you, 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 you hack one person, you get into the system, you hack the whole network. And it doesn't matter if one person has been punished for it um, or the, the system's only been, you know, scanned for one person. I, I bet you more than one person was, was compromised in, in that one. Um, as, right. a, as a company, like especially right. a bank, I, I would force everybody uh, to change their password within uh, within even two hours, or 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 you know your your 
you, you risk the company's not only reputation but money and, and, and you're let go. It just goes to show you guys that the world is going crazy. And Fist is going to tell you all about it.
And that is fifth, and the world is going crazy. And yes, they have. Okay, I've got things to say. The Shushwa, <laughs> the Colombian, the Thompson, and the Chilliwack. Any idea what they have in common? They are rivers that I am going to be fishing in in two weeks. I'm jealous. <laughs> you better be. Take you know me what? with I am, you. I am going to be standing waist deep in water, catching fish, drinking beer, eating gourmet burgers made by me. And every morning I'm going to phone Brian and I'm going to say, hey, where are you? And I'm going to laugh. <laughs> Send him pictures. Might even, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm taking my daughter with me. It'll be her first uh, camping trip. Uh, we're probably gonna we're probably gonna cover about oh three four hundred miles maybe in fourteen days. Um, just I can't wait. No trucks, no no people, no noise. That, that no people thing is appealing. No. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, well, there's a, I am going up into one area that there is one thing to worry. Well, two things to worry. Cougars and grizzlies. Yeah, I was gonna say bears. That's the only thing. The only thing I gotta worry about. But um. You know, I'll have the, the mighty vicious Pepper with me, and I'll have the vicious Honduchi with me, which is also known as Hondo, which pretty much means I'm unprotected and screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. You, you've been up and down. You, you, I'm going up to one area um, that you guys have driven by many, many, many times, and uh, I'm going to be pretty close to um, Bailmont, your Bailmont. Oh yeah, yeah. On Highway five going going up to either Edmonton or so to uh to uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take her up there and uh you know, show her what it's all about. She's never gone before, so you know, we've gone on day trips and stuff like that. And uh I might if, if, if I I will be telling you this. If if I do come back alone and claim I never had a daughter because the little fish <laughs> You know, It'll happen. I It'll happen her, one day. I took I took her fish. No, she does it to me all the damn time. Took her fishing and, you know, every five minutes, fish on, fish on, and I'm not even getting a nibble. Not even a bite. I'm using the same stuff. I think what we'll do, Jay, is we'll do some on-the-spot uh, stuff uh, with you. Uh, we'll, we'll call you and uh, just uh, no, uh, for the when, moment, when, you'll be sitting, you know, waist-deep in your waders in the water, and you can tell us, what the ambiance of your vacation is at that waiters? moment. What are waiters? I don't use waiters. I had a horrible goddamn experience in waiters doing that shit again. Right. And drown with those oh, things on, man. Well, this is what happened, okay? Uh, you know when you're going through down towards the Soyuz, you go down and you uh, come from, you know, the scale up in Caledon? Yeah. Or the 3A and the, okay. Well, you, you come down the hill and you go over a bridge, and if you look to your side, as soon as you go into Okanagan Falls, and you see a kind of a power down, well, you can fish on the other side of that. Well, it gets pretty deep. It gets about three feet. <laughs> I had my waders on, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's March, so there's, you know, there's there's still snow on the, on, on the, on the ground. And uh, I'm out there in my waders. That I got for Christmas, and uh, I'm fishing and fishing away, fishing away, and I tripped over a rock, and boosh, went right under the frickin' water. Now, I stood up, and now now I've gone from 170 pounds to 700 pounds. Yeah. Because I'm all full of, 
in ice cold freaking water. <laughs> and I'm trying to walk. That's, that's exactly what every that's what actually what everybody was doing that was with me on the shore. Both help a brother out. Well, what kind of get the camera out, get the camera out and take pictures while I'm freezing the chat. What comes and to I'm mind just, what comes to mind is that cartoon the guy's got his, his waders on and it's full of water and the fish are jumping through the... Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly what little, I pictured, yeah. I was a little pissed off. I didn't get to keep my weight. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I didn't know this. I didn't know this. But once those, those suckers fill up with water, you can't get them off. Yeah, it becomes a little difficult. Okay. I had to stand there. And I mean, it was about four degrees Celsius, which is probably maybe... 37 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And wait for them to drain. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> oh, man, was I cold. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, you oh, know, man. those leather pants from the 80s, you know, you're all sweaty and you just can't oh, get yeah, you're things just off. Yeah. Suction cup to you. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, wear waders anymore. No. I, I figured, hell with it, I'll just walk in and stand in the water. And it's, it's summertime, too, right? It's not going to be that bad. So, but, yeah, I know I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully I'll have some, I'll have still service at one of my camps. So I'll be able to jump in on the podcast and uh, harass the shit out of you guys. <laughs> we we look very forward to that because like, we know we know you're gonna basically have some sort of wild man experience. Uh, oh, I, ha- my, I have not a doubt on my, my mind. Kid, my kid is going to teach me something. She's gonna teach me uh, this. It's this new fad thing. I don't. I don't know where the hell it came from, but it's called magnet fishing. Oh yes, yeah. Oh, I, 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 yeah, it's a new trend on TikTok and YouTube and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, man. Uh, I, I've wait, always wanted to do that. What this is? Well, it used to be called salvage fishing. Huh. Okay, and it was never. It was never popular. It was usually the thing you did when you, you know, you were trying to retrieve your Zippo lighter that just fell out of your pocket and landed in the river. You know, um, it was never really a big thing, but kids just love it. So, uh, and she wants to go gold panning, too, so I'm going to take her up and let her do some of that. One of the areas I'm going to actually had a gold rush in uh, the 1920s. So, you know, who knows? Maybe she might, uh, maybe she might make me rich. <laughs> So to, to to answer the question of, of what magnet fishing is, it's basically a um, extremely uh, well, I, I'm not going to say extremely, but a powerful magnet that's tied onto a rope, thrown into a river or a lake, and then brought up, and whatever comes up gets uh, put into recycle. Wouldn't it be really cool if I found Hoppa? Oh, okay. I thought I. <laughs> I'm thinking about like use magnet to fish. I'm... No. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> if I catch a fish with if I catch a fish with a magnet, I ain't eating it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting too much mercury. <laughs> I don't yeah, even. Think, I don't even. It's a little too high on the heavy metals. Yeah, I don't even think I'm gonna. Oh my god! You don't know, kid. Were you really? <laughs> 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 I could hear how lost she was. That's why I jumped in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, was, I sounded so confused. I was like, what kind of fish that could mean that? 
it should be really fun because I'm taking my crossbow. Caitlin does the podcast, just shot me. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it, man. This is because this will be my first real vacation in 25 years. Imagine you. Imagine you're the one catching Don't the fish, and your daughter catches a fish. Oh, she's gonna catch them all. I know it. <laughs> but Jay, was your, you, you and I were talking about our vacation next year. Yeah. And I will mention this now on the Highway Freaks podcast, visit number 36. Uh, We have decided that Jay and I are going to cross something off our bucket list. And that's something we've always wanted to do is whitewater rafting. And so if any freaks out there hear us and they want to join us, we want to see you there because the more people you get together, the lower price it is. So if we can get... I will come... You're all over that table. We have a why can't we just buy why can't we just buy a raft and go and do it? We're not doing that. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. Okay, so we lose a couple of people. (laughs) No. No. Have you done it? Have you guys done it before? Never. 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 Did the the pioneers? Did the pioneers ever do it? No. Pretty much in that, and then we've got Bruce with a truck and parrot named Carrie. 
uh, the Macaw. So then I think that's going to add all to the excitement of everything. But, yeah, we're going to bring back the game show next week right here on Highway Freaks. And coming up next Friday, we have a great interview with an absolute funny guy. Um, his name is Brett Derner. He's formerly of the rock band Helix. And he will be on the new eye-opener interview. It'll be a three-part interview. And you'll get to uh, hear Brett. And some of his stories are just not to be believed. Uh, he's toured all <laughs> over the world, uh, literally, uh, with Kiss and Whitesnake and Kim Mitchell, uh, Nazareth. Uh, the list goes on and on. So it's going to be a great interview. And uh, we are looking forward to that. So my topic's coming up. Um, but first, we're going to go back to the album Fleet Street with Fist, and this is called Double or Nothing.
I just love that Double or Nothing song. That is uh, um, such a great song. Um, and we still got five more songs of, of this tonight, uh, the old and the new. So uh, we're definitely expanding our freaks horizons on how good this band not only is still in their 60s and 70s, but how they just started out and just, just became better and better and better. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are actually going to have Jeff Nystrom and Ron Chenier hopefully in a future podcast on the eye-opener. So the truth about Area 51, and uh, it's, there's, there's, uh, there's quite a bit about it, but I know my guy uh, Wing It Will over there, he can definitely uh, tell everybody a lot more about it. But there's perhaps no better urban legend, myth, or conspiracy more famous than Nevada Areas 51, a mysterious government facility that is rumored to be associated with aliens. The U.S. government officially states that Area 51 is classified due to national security, which only fuels the fire. The secrecy surrounding Area 51 is what makes it inherently creepy, and with the government admitting to a program investigating UFOs, the theories about what's actually going on inside continue to seem more plausible. And, well, I know you just recently got some additional information on it, and you really freaked a lot of people out when you, they heard about that, because uh, my stepdaughter, is a good example, thinks that aliens are invading her tomorrow. And I tried to basically tell her, I said, you, you need to get Will stuff, because um, they're getting all the stuff off YouTube, and just really terrible, terrible information. So, Will, I think you could add to that for a minute. Yeah, um... So it is true that that they they, they were um, I I don't know if they still are but they were storing uh, one particular alien uh, for example um, I don't remember the name I'm not gonna say it's a he or a her um, you can you can well, that's E.T. phone home <laughs> right that's E.T. that's his twin brother yeah <laughs> well there there is um a, a whole documentary on uh, actually brought to you by the History Channel that that, that was done on um, the, the secrets of Area 51. And there was actually this um, really intelligent uh, extraterrestrial that they used to um, confine in a, in a um, uh, I guess, a chamber, for, for lack of a better term. And they used to, like, every time, uh, you know, the government ran into uh, issues that needed to be solved, they would take the issues to 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 this being um i i i i don't know the exact like translate if it was uh like the it talked english or whatever but apparently it could shift in into a bunch of uh different forms and i'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of the term the black vault but the black vault was released by um i think the uh nsa and the cia um if you just search up um I, I I don't know if I'd use Google. Uh, I'd probably use DuckDuckGo for this. But if you search up uh, the Black Vault uh, records, uh, these are all records from the U.S. military themselves that had to get released or that ended up getting released. Now, WikiLeaks was was part of um, the, the the plethora of information that came out. But um, when you look in, into those documents, there's there's reasons to believe that. You know, not, not only were they keeping uh, extraterrestrials as, you know, guinea pigs and stuff, but um, also uh, debris from fallen aircraft 
whether you want to call that UFO or or whatnot, but uh, you, you know, it, it just like there's there's more um, areas that are hidden now than just Area 51. Like the uh, the government has a bunch of different bases, and they got underground bunkers, which I'm sure the truck drivers can tell you all about. I know uh, there's there's truck drivers that I know personally that have had to deliver uh, food and supplies to these bunkers without even thinking about it. And, you know, they send me pictures, and I'm like, dude, there's, there, I, these underground bunkers actually exist? And they go for, I'm not, I'm not just talking, like, kilometers. I'm talking, like, miles and miles and miles. Some of them go from state to state. And I, I, I know I'm going to get some conspiracy theorists on, on this one saying, you, you know, that it's for the elite, the bunkers and stuff, right? But this is what um, uh, Area 51 right now is, is a place where, they they do all their uh, testing before they they send stuff out to the military. You might have heard of like Roswell, uh, Mexico, right? Well, that uh, uh, like a lot of those sightings, um, if you go into, go back into the black vault, um, are actually they're, they're they're like I hate to break some hearts here, but uh, like it's been proven that uh, a lot of the aircraft and a lot of the things that fell from the sky were not just um, you know uh, new age um war craft but they were dummies as well so they they would test out this stuff for the military um all over the united states roswell being one of them right so area 51 is is just like it, it's full of tests that that you you would never um believe it's it's it, it's absolutely insane to think about um uh vr originating from you know uh the the government being using um military training programs, you know? Well, it's got to be because, you know, um, when you think about it, I think aliens play for the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. What do you think, Jay? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the first time in six years they won the Stanley Cup. Congratulations, uh, Las Vegas. But uh, how's that possible when Toronto hasn't won a cup and they've been around for like ten times longer than the Las Vegas Golden Knights? So... I don't know. I don't get that. But uh, thanks for that uh, wonderful uh, direction that we we ended up going there, Will. And, of course, the other thing that's kind of funny, if you guys have ever been past Vegas, there's this really cool place. It's called Alien Jerky. And uh, it is, if you've ever gone there, you'll see this, this car out front. And you see the aliens in the car, and it's got the grandma in the back. But uh, anyway, I want to carry on here with the witch of Hampton, Goody Cole. Eunice Goody Cole was the only woman in New Hampshire history to be tried for witchcraft multiple times. Her first charge was in 1656, and she was charged again in 1671. When she died and her body was recovered, the townspeople were rumored to have actually staked her through the heart numerous times to prevent her from haunting their town. Now, here's the creepy part. People continue to blame Goody Cole for the misfortunes of Hampton citizens for the past 300 years. For example, a boat full of Hampton residents overturned and everyone on board drowned, even though they were within swimming distance of the shore. People blame Goody Cole, the witch, for the crash and for cursing the passengers by having them forget how to swim. Isn't that weird? Um, in New Jersey, they have the... Jersey Devil, okay? And it's not the hockey team either, Jay. 
The story of the Jersey Devil has been around since the 1700s. The legend states that a woman named Mother Leeds became pregnant with her 13th child and said, let this one be the devil. Once the child was born, it grew hooves, wings, horns, and a tail. Now the monster has been spawned periodically throughout history in the Pine Barrens region of New Jersey. The state has embraced the legend so much that they named their hockey team after it. And there's how the New Jersey Devils got their name. Now, in New Mexico, La Mala Hora, um, which translates to the evil hour, is an entity that you don't want to run into on a dark road. Legend says that at first, it appears as a ball of black energy, constantly moving and changing its size and shape. If you look at it, it will drive you insane and it will slowly kill you. At other times, it appears as a scary-looking woman it's said that if you see her at a crossroads, you or someone in your family will eventually die. In the state of New York, we have the story of Cropsey. And Cropsey has many iterations, but it generally tells the story of a man who stalked a sleepaway camp, psychiatric facility, children's hospital, had a hook for a hand and killed children who were wandering alone at night. Every single person who went to camp in the upstate New York has heard about Cropsey. Things took a more sinister turn when a documentary actually put Cropsey as a real convicted child kidnapper named Andre Rand. You might know that name, or if you don't, Will, you might want to research that. So, in North Carolina, last but not least, is the Beast of Bladenboro. In the 1950s, multiple dogs were found dead and drained of blood in North Carolina, the town of Bladenboro. People believe that there was a vampire beast in the woods, and they tried to hunt the animal. Today, the town of Bladenboro has embraced the history, and residents actually hold a beast fest every year. While some people are convinced the beast is probably particularly large bobcat, it's never been confirmed exactly what was stalking their town. So next week, we will talk about the White Lady Lane of North Dakota. So that's will be intriguing in itself. And speaking of intriguing, we're going to go right back to more Fist songs. And I lo- This song I love. If you guys have not heard Wolves yet, after you hear this haunting haunting melody type rock song, it's the best way to describe it, uh, you'll really, really appreciate Fist's uh, album Alive more and more. So here is Wolves.
drops fall to a sliver of gold. Out of wonder, walk with heart in hand. The angels call. With one more deal, one more loss, one more life. Iowa, 
passing of margarine as butter is actually a misdemeanor under the food labeling laws. Kansas, illegal to sell liquor by the glass in over 25 counties. It's also illegal to catch fish with bare hands and illegal to shoot rabbit from a motorboat. In Kentucky, no dueling if you're a public officer, legislator, or lawyer. Louisiana, traditional Louisiana jambalaya is not subject to state sanitary code. Boo. Well, I know what state I'm never going to have jambalaya in. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> in Maine, in St. Berwick, it's illegal to park in front of Dunkin' Donuts because those spots are reserved for police officers only. Uh, that's a first. <laughs> uh, Missouri. Fortune-telling is illegal through palm reading cards or any other scheme, practice, or device. And it is a misdemeanor with fines up to $500 or serving jail time. In Massachusetts, no national anthem remix. $100 fine for that. Swearing at a sports event if you're over the age of 16 is against the law. I know a few people who who would be forking out a lot of money for that. Yeah, yeah, but, so what are the, what are they saying? If you're under 16, you can swear your head off. Apparently, apparently. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan cheating is illegal. Maximum sentence is four years or up to five thousand um, dollars. Can't. Oh, you can't be drunk on a train, but a plane is okay. In Minnesota, no contests where contestants have to catch a greased or oiled pig. I'd love to know how that one came into play. <laughs> oh, or no turkey scramble. So, Mississippi, no obscene stickers, painting, decals, or emblems in public, in public, or on a motor vehicle or clothing. In Missouri, if a bull or a ram runs rampant for more than, oh, has to be over the age of one. So if a bull or a ram over the age of one runs rampant for more than three days, a person may castrate the animal without liability for the damage to the owner. Ah, yes. Montana, driving animals onto a railway track with intent to damage the train is up to $500,000 and prison term of up to five years. Nevada. Um, okay, using a pedoscope, which is an x-ray, to size your shoes is illegal. New Hampshire. Don't collect or carry any seaweed at night. No hunting in a graveyard in Everett. And you have to use your real name to check into a hotel. I wonder how many people actually do that. <laughs> New Jersey. Can't wear bulletproof vest while committing a crime, or you can be charged separately for suiting up. New Mexico. Misdemeanor for tripping a horse. That's interesting. New York. Empire State bans masks or any manner of disguise in public. I wonder how that worked, worked for them the last few years. <laughs> that pandemic, um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got adultery. Get this. In New York, adultery, 90 days and up to $500 fine. North Carolina, 
elephants can't be used to plow cotton fields. North Dakota, it's illegal to lie down or fall asleep with shoes on. In Ohio, every operator of underground coal mine must provide an adequate supply of toilet paper for each toilet. Oregon, if you discard bottled urine from a vehicle or leave on the side of the road, it's a Class A misdemeanor, and the same goes for fecal matter. Fine for leaving car door open too long. Length of time is unclear, though. So who knows whether it's just you open your door and you close it, or you leave it wide open and you stand there talking to a neighbor. Who knows? But apparently that's illegal. Um, Pennsylvania. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you, hey, I defy any truck driver out there that hasn't peed in a to-go cup or a cup and thrown it out the window. Okay? Um, I've never done it. On that. My, I've oh, never done it. Okay, I'm sure I'm sure most of the male brothers and sisters out there, brothers on the road, have done it. Okay. That's because you can't help not do it. You're stuck in traffic. Okay. So what are you gonna what are you so gonna do? You pee your pants? You're Come peeing on. no, you pee in a bottle. You put no. the cap on you throw it in your garbage. No, 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 no. That does not no 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 pee okay. bottles yeah, yeah. get in this truck. Nope, no. Nope. <laughs> well then nope. no pee in your truck. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't no. know. This is I, I, this is something I have an issue with myself. Personally. I can admit. I can admit. I'll pee in a cup and I'll dump it out. Okay, I'll admit that right here on the podcast. And Jay, I'm sure you can admit it as well. Okay, I'm sure you've done it. Okay, um, don't speak for me. Don't <laughs> speak for me. I am not admitting to nothing. <laughs> not admitting to nothing. Okay. Not. Well, you know what. I have my hands up on that because, you know what, I'm not going to sit in traffic with a full bladder and kill myself. No, no, no. I'm going to whip that thing out, and I'm going to put it in a cup, and I'm going to dump it out the window, and that's the way it is. Well, I, 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 I mean, it's not saying you don't you, you, you can't piss in a bottle. Just wait till you get a, to, to, to a truck stop to, you know, throw it in actual garbage. Yeah, except he uses a cup, not a bottle. Yeah, okay. That would be too hard. That, that, that should be the same yeah. offense as public urination. Exactly. No. Exactly. No. I agree. Hundred percent, man. Because you're, you're, the, the, the only difference is you don't have your in your hand when you're when you're throwing it out. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! What was that? <laughs> I don't know where that conversation just ended up. This oh, is God. Just this is just one of my, my biggest pet peeves. Oh, man. Can't tell you how many times I've stopped at a truck That's what you get for being honest. Wow. And, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just no. <laughs> well, I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to drop trout in a to-go cup in my truck, I'll tell you that much. I can leave the rest for next week. Actually. I think you should. Leave it on that note, yeah. <laughs> Leave it on that note, absolutely. So, um, if you guys have, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. It's, it's a fictionalized uh, account of uh, a barber that was completely insane. Uh, and uh, 
He lived in Fleet Street, England, and he murders his customers with a straight razor, and then he gives their corpses to uh, the lady next door, his female partner in crime, who bakes their flesh into meat pies. And it was taken from the Penny Dreadful cereal uh, way back in 1846. The book was called The String of Pearls. The original became a feature of 19th century uh, melodrama, uh, in good old London, England. And in 2007, Johnny Depp starred as the Demon Barber in the full-length musical Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. I don't like musicals, but uh, after seeing that trailer, that actually would be something I'd probably watch. I'm telling you guys this all about it because Fist, our house band, they did an exact rendition of that song. And here it is. It's called Fleet Street. Holmes, I think we've wandered somewhat off the beaten path. Quite possibly, Watson. When the night fog sets in, it makes it a trifle hard to maintain one's intended course of direction. Holmes, what was that? Well, I'm certain it was nothing to fire one's blood over. Probably some drunkard lying in a darkened alley. I certainly hope you're right. Wait a minute, Watson. I know where we are now. Hmm? I believe we've wandered onto Fleet Street. Fleet Street? It seems to me I recall something of murders taking place around here. Ah, yes. The case of the stained razor. Oh, really, Holmes? Tell me more. It seems there was a barber who lived in these parts. He was completely insane. Yes, yes. Do go on, Holmes. Well, you see, Watson, the shave you received in his shop was rather closer than one could have originally anticipated. Uh, I don't understand, Holmes. Well, Watson, when his customers would sit comfortably in the chair and ready themselves for a shave, yes. he'd take his razor and slit their throat. Oh, I see. Uh, but that's abominable, Holmes. Then, Watson... He'd cut up the bodies and use the flesh for pies. Pies? Yes, I believe they were called people's pies. Pe they were sold from the baker's shop next door. Yes, that laughter again, Holmes. And it seems to be coming from that little shop over there. Bless my soul, Watson. This is the very shop we've been talking about. I think for our safety and my sanity, we'd best be leaving these parts No, come, come, Watson. There's nothing to fear. Allow me to stimulate my curiosity by taking a look.
isn't that a great song? That is just so good, and uh, it just it it just tells the story so well in a, a, a real rocky uh, rocky musical version uh, that Fist did. So uh, kudos to you guys. That was a great rendition. Uh, anyway, some people have kind of requested what happened to me with Bandit yesterday, and I told this to Jay, and I think he almost drove off the road when I told him it. Um, it's pretty comical. I I, uh, I was getting done being loaded at about, I think it was around 9 o'clock in Santa Maria. And uh, I, uh, well, I didn't want to make anything at that time after I, I got done being loaded. So I went to Jack in the Box. Never been to Jack in the Box. And I uh, thought, okay, I'll go in there, order a burger, as I always do. I always order a burger and fries for Bandit because he loves his cheeseburgers. So I got him a burger and fries, and I got myself a double jack burger. That's like two patties, cheese, uh, onions, relish, pickles. Like, it's just the works. It's a monster burger. And I came back in the truck, and uh, previously to that, I'd ordered a brownie. I was quite quite smitten with this brownie. It looked really darn good in the picture, so I, I grabbed one. So when I got in the truck... And I went to, you know, pull everything out. Um, I got my double jack burger. I took a bite of it. And I noticed there was no brownie. Well, that's not going to work. So I was just pulling off the side of the street. And I decided to pull right back on the street. Some people must have thought I was really weird for doing that. But anyway, so I run across the road. But I put my burger right up on the dash beside my phone holder. Right? And... Uh, I went running back over there, and the lady said, oh, give him another brownie, right? So she gives me another brownie, and then I come back, and uh, previously to that, I put Bandit's cheeseburger and fries in his dog dish. It was all nice and uh, organized, and I put a little ketchup over it because he loves ketchup on his stuff, just like me. I come back, and my burger's gone. What the heck? And I see Bandit, and he's looking kind of guilty, and I said, no, you did not. And, yeah, there's two pieces of lettuce on the floor of the truck and on the carpet. And I go, you didn't. So I thought, well, how am I going to teach him a lesson? So there was this dog dish with the burger and the fries in it. And I thought, I'll fix your wagon. So I grabbed his dog dish. And I, at that point, I just thought, I got to get going. I looked at the time, and I, I got up to a red light, and I started eating the burger and the fries out of his dog dish. And this couple pull up beside me, and I didn't even really, it didn't dawn on me what I was doing, because I was just so pissed off with them. And they just looked at me horrified, because here I am just mowing, just eating out of the dog dish, and looking down on them and going, what? What? What's your problem? I was like, oh. God, Brian, you're eating out of the damn dog dish, right? And meanwhile, Bandit is just so blown away by this, right? And uh, so so uh, I, I ate the burger and the fries, continue eating the burger and the fries, and uh, this is how you teach your dog a lesson when he eats your burger, Jay, because I know you've had this happen more than once with Zephyr. Yes, so, because Zephyr is a glutton. never done this. This is a first huh. for him. Good. And... Go ahead. She will she will get into my food while I'm cooking it. If I give her a chance. If I turn if I turn away for a second or whatever, she's like, Okay, fair game. He he's never done it. And and uh so I think I taught him a good lesson. He after that he was sulking in the back. 
he was going, he was kind of thinking like, what the hell, Dad? You're eating out of my dog dish? That was my burger and, and fries? But no, no. Um, but I think the couple, I could just see what they were kind of looking at each other and talking. And they were probably going, Jesus, things got that bad that the truck drivers got to eat the god darn dog's food? Is that how bad we've gotten? Is this the state of, of the affairs that we're in today? So it was kind of comical, and I never thought about it, but when I look back at it, if you, you know, if you looked up and you saw a truck driver with a dog dish and they're eating it out, out of the dog dish, you'd probably think the same thing. So, <laughs> so that's my story. Okay, so just ahead, we are going to do one reading from the book Temporary Satisfaction, The Life of Jasper Stevenson. This is a good chapter. This is a really good chapter. I think you guys will really like it. It's when he gets into the, uh, the business of radio, and uh, he talks about what went on with his, his life. But uh, we are going to play another fifth song, and, um, well, like Bandit Down That Burger, it was Come and Gone.
Okay, so we're going to go to Chapter 12, On the Airwaves. This is where it gets real interesting. So uh, to reiterate Jasper Stevenson's life, uh, I decided to write it on this gentleman. It's uh, taken from my book, Temporary Satisfaction. So here we go. The segments in this chapter are dedicated to an extremely funny and intelligent man named David Taylor. Sadly, he passed away over 58 years ago, stricken with cancer. If his former wife had read this now, I'd probably thank his departed husband for giving me the confidence and a great opportunity to even become a better and, and bigger radio announcer. In spite of this, I was neither mature at the young age of 18 nor knowledgeable enough to accept it as my own and treat it with the respect that it so deserved. It was inevitably these formative years that I hadn't experienced enough life values back then. So in this chapter, we relive some bizarre times that I know with Dave's odd sense of humor, he would have found my escapades both alarming and entertaining. Back in the fall of that year, I contacted the program director and morning air announcer, uh, David Taylor, CKDK Radio in my hometown. I immediately inquired about a job as a radio disc jockey. Conversely, he asked me if I'd had any experience doing it. I informed him about my stint as a skee-ball announcer at the previous two fairs I worked at, and he just laughed at me. Nevertheless, I had also been a roller DJ a few years back before that, so I did have some sort of foundation to build upon. He told me he admired my initiative and asked me my age, whereby he initially invited me down to a visit with him. I was elated, and the following Tuesday morning, I skipped school to attend my first interview with him. He explained to me that CKDK went off the air at midnight. Moreover, they didn't resume broadcasting until 6 a.m. the next day. Dave came up with an original idea where he would teach me to become a radio announcer and little baby steps to begin with. I mean, he certainly wouldn't be there at the time, of course, when I went on the air, but he came up with a novel idea of how he could monitor my progress, as he would be sleeping at that time anyway. Everything you hear on radio was taped for security purposes, including on-air languages of the disc jockeys. Dave went over portions of my show once a week and critiquing my work. It was a superb and brilliant idea, definitely not one that would ever occur in today's world. Nevertheless, for the next six months, I worked for free, with absolutely no money made. The reason I was given was that there was no additional employee payroll. The deal was, if I wanted to do this, I did it as a volunteer trainee position with the expectation of landing part-time work or even fill-in on-air work in the future. I didn't even hesitate. I said an enthusiastic, yes, I'll do it, and Dave devised the training system for me. I couldn't wait for the coming Friday to arrive as that was the night my life would change forever. Thus, I started around midnight to, to spin 45 disc records for a solid six hours until Dave came in to start his on-air shift at 6 a.m. Mostly I did this on the weekends as I was still attending school. The simple fact of the matter being I was in grade 10 at the time. Additionally, I was making no money at the radio station, so I needed to find a secondary income quite quickly. The following is a direct example of how my training started. Just fill in the blanks when you read the sentence here. So I would say it's blank at CKDK with blank being me. That's all I'd say. Pretty simple. This eventually progressed every week until I would have four different one-liners at 10 after the hour, 20 after, 20 to the hour, and 10 to the hour, and so forth. The following week, I read the weather and sports as it came off the teletype news information service, and so on. The next job I landed was extremely different and definitely out of character for me. Catching chickens. I started working for Ponce's Poultry Catching for a guy that ran and owned his own little chicken catching business who also resembled the rock singer Frank Zappa at the time. He went simply by the name of Ponce, and if Frank Zappa ever had a long-lost twin brother, uh, that guy was him. 
His real name was Frank, and at the time he was married to a good old gal named Luce. He just called her his old lady Lou, nothing special. We usually went out to go catching chickens around midnight, as that was the time they were fed. I rarely got back from these excursions until 4 or 5 in the morning. It was a job unlike any other I had before, and I really had to prepare myself, especially mentally, for this nightly excursion. The first thing that comes to my mind is when I got in an old white Chevy cargo van driven and owned by Haunch's best friend, Don, he always had the loudest, loudest Pioneer cassette deck stereo with five-foot tower speakers mounted in the back corner of the inside of the van. Conversely, I sat on real hard benches the van comes equipped with, and there I was congregating with 10 or 12 guys, depending on who wanted to go to work that night. The music started playing. It was pure heavy metal, not to mention extremely loud and particularly hazy, if you get my meaning. Not to mention the special guys I worked with consisted of ex-cons who just got out of Kingston prison. Homeless people living under bridges and in alleys, wife abusers, ex-rapists, hardcore bikers, along with drug addicts. Yep, that pretty much sums up my co-workers. I might as well have worked on a chain gang with all those character profiles, right? Plus, I always smoked at least six to eight joints of marijuana or hash with my new buddies. When it was my turn to smoke a joint, I never turned it down. Don't be thinking I was becoming a real pothead either. My thought process, when offered a toke, I became one of them, or I would become severely ostracized. In return, that could have got me beat up or even killed. They were those type of guys. Not exactly nice if you didn't conform to their way of thinking. About two hours later, I arrived at the farm feeling absolutely no pain from being in the back of the cold, unheated van whatsoever. As I departed those cargo doors, the first thing I saw were the 18-wheeler chicken trucks hooked up to large 53-foot trailers that housed 13-foot tall cages, separated by four levels of them. There they were, anywhere from four to six tractor-trailer units all lined up, parked behind one another the side of the barns. Each truck driver was ready to receive those dirty, squawking, two-legged fowl. They even had wooden planks attached to the second floor levels connected to the outside of each of the barn doors. As for clothes, well, I had on a dirty pair of faded blue jeans, steel-toe work boots, a dark t-shirt, a baseball cap. That was a traditional chicken-catching uniform. Subsequently, we all walked from the very dark barn where the lights had all been turned down or even shut off. This was because chickens spread out quite quickly as they were scared and startled. At least there was some light from the outside barn doors along with the amber marker lights of the trailers and trucks, but mostly I found myself in dark shadows. Despite this, I walked farther into the dark and had to rely on my keen eyesight to get me through the maze of hundreds of chickens. Sometimes we worked in the barns that had the red emergency lights, which greatly helped us out, but most farmers in those days tried saving money, turning out most lights in the barns. Oddly enough, we never used flashlights because the light from them made the birds spread out. Now I was surrounded by rows of chickens scattered around me in every direction. It was quite intimidating at first, but I watched what everybody else was doing, so I followed their lead. So I bent down, grabbed their legs in a sweeping motion, and carried them to the platform where a door was. Uh, conversely, had about four to five chickens in each hand with them pecking and scratching at my wrist. Then I walked out a wooden pike, handing them over to the truck driver. Next, he drops them into a large open cage. I got bored of this job so quickly, so I found many ways to amuse myself such as doing somersaults and chicken shit. I imagine that I am sure that smoking all that pot previous to catching the chickens might have had something to do with my state of mind. Oddly enough, I will never forget seeing an epileptic have a grand mal seizure right there in the barn one night. Actually, it's kind of frightening to see a person foaming at the mouth, throwing his arms and legs around like they're made of rubber, almost choking on his, on his vomit. 
Despite his character or what he did in his past, I had empathy for a person like that. Imagine going through life with a condition such as epilepsy. The job, the job did have its fringe benefits and coincidentally turned out to be Ponce's upstairs tenant. His wife Lou had a best friend, which coincidentally became my radio groupie, Lydia. Once more, Lady Luck smiled upon Jasper. So when I got back from the night of chicken catching, I made my way upstairs, grabbed a quick shower, had you know fun with the, with the lady in the mo- uh, upstairs, good morning sleep, that sort of thing, headed off to school around 10 or 11 a.m., and I was done. I was late on purpose, and I was certainly spending more time in detentions for absenteeism than I was actually spending in class. I don't recall why we stopped seeing each other, as there was some really great chemistry between us. I do recall Lydia recalling my house looking for for me, whereby my mother answered the phone. When I came home the next morning, it was my mother who called me the slut. I guess mom thought this 24-year-old lady was too much for me and wanted me to find someone closer to my own age. So in the fall of the same year, I met a young, immature blonde gal one following Friday evening. We will end it there, and we'll carry on with that chapter. And in the meanwhile, we got some more stuff for you guys. We're going to play a back-to-back rendition. We've got Fist Hot Spikes, which is an anti-drug song that they did way back when. And then we're going to play something off their new album, Alive, and it's a remake of War. Okay, so we all uh, look forward to seeing you guys on visit number 37, and you will be seeing uh, and hearing from Bruce and Terry the Macaw. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great week.